securing trusted identities of the world's people, places, and things. Every day, millions of people in more than 100 countries use our products and services to securely access physical and digital places. Over 2 billion things that need to be identified, verified, and tracked are connected through HID Global's technology. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Patrick Riley. I'm the industry principal consultant for Frost and Sullivan uh, for healthcare and life sciences. My background is hospital administration. I've been a CEO of both uh, a large urban academic medical center and a rural hospital. So this subject is very, very close to me. Even closer, a month ago in Concord, New Hampshire, where I was born and raised in the state hospital where my mother-in-law actually worked, uh, a disgruntled patient came back in and murdered two people totally unprepared for in a very, very rural setting. So this is not something of a future threat. This is something we're living with every day. And it's very, very, very important for me uh, to moderate this, uh, to learn. And it, it really uh, serves as a precursor for the conference that uh, uh, HID and Essentia Health will be presenting at the International Association for Healthcare Safety and Security, which will be April 29th through May 1st in the Lowe's Royal Pacific Resort at Universal Orlando. Uh, and we will mention more about that at the end. First, let me introduce, we're very, very fortunate to have two very, very uh, qualified and prominent uh, participators in this podcast. The first uh, gentleman I will introduce is Cleet Porto. Uh, Cleet is a former U.S. Marine. Thank you for your service, Cleet. Just so you know, I'm a former Airborne Ranger Army. Uh, and he has over 20 years' experience as a subject matter expert in the healthcare and security industry. In his current role, he serves as healthcare business development director for HID Global's Workforce Identity Management Business Unit. Cleet's focus is on the healthcare industry as it relates to enhancing the security of patients, employees, contractors, and visitors as well as facilities and physical assets. So, uh, Cleet, thank you for joining us. Our subject matter expert of today, and we're very, very fortunate to have him with us, is Michael uh, Ramstack. Michael is the Senior Director of System Security for Essential Health. Michael uh, also has 25 years of law enforcement and private sector security leadership experience, ranging from global, national, regional, and local. He holds many degrees, bachelor's, and masters in criminal justice and including pharmaceutical utilities where he's worked and manufacturing and most recently holding the position of senior director as i mentioned of essentia health so gentlemen it's a pleasure to be with you this morning i'd like to kick it off by uh you know as we talk about visitor management and how it's evolved and how it's 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 need has never been greater I'm wondering, Cleet, about is there a difference between visitor management in a large urban facility versus a community hospital? As you know, we have over 5,000 community hospitals in U.S. Uh, Cleet, what's what's the difference? Is there a difference? And if you're in a in a rural hospital, should you be doing something different than you are in an urban hospital? Please, sir. Thank you, thank you, Pat. Uh, there's absolutely something to be done in every healthcare facility. That, that's my standpoint. Uh, something should be done um, to forward healthcare security, primarily for the protection of staff, and then of course patients at every healthcare facility in America. 
beginning there. But um, as to the actual differences, that's one of the reasons why we have a good friend Mike here. So I'm aware that things happen differently um, from the vendor side. Mike's actually boots on the ground. So one of the reasons I chose Mike is because Mike has the urban experience, not not just urban, but urban trauma, level one trauma center. That That's a, that's a whole different ball game. Whole different ball game as far as uh, violence, the uh, patient population, the payer mix, like all that stuff is different. But then now Mike also has rural experience. And um, one of the reasons, another reason I grabbed Mike is now that he has rural experience, it was, um, it was kind of rural, and then now it's going super duper, like almost Canada rural. <laughs> and then, but then Mike still found the need to do something more with healthcare security. So I'm anxious to hear um, what did you find? You know, when you're getting way out there, what did you see that still made you peek up and say, I should do something, especially coming from urban level one trauma? Um, and if we don't have him with us today, but we'll have him with us in April. Um, Another friend is Craig. Craig came from um, urban, Craig Crosby, I'm sorry. He came from a urban environment, Southwestern. He did it for decades. And then now he is urban slash rural Texas. So I'm gonna be very interested uh, in April, like you said, at uh, IAHSS to hear what Craig has to say. Like, what is he seeing now? And he's gonna actually see them within the same healthcare system. He's going to have to administer certain visitation policies right in the heart of Dallas and then way right. out there somewhere in Texas. So wow. um, very, very interesting. That's why I chose Mike. So, you know, I got two cents, but I'm sure Mike has four cents as to um, <laughs> what he sees coming out of level one trauma versus moving around a little bit to a little bit more rural area. Um, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, no, thanks, Cleet and Pat, uh, for having me here today. I I think, you know, the biggest thing I see as a difference um, coming from, you know, the urban environment and now, um, you know, majority of our facilities, the 13 hospitals are um, critical care, urban, or excuse me, rural areas. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of challenges we face, um, you know, small towns, um, care we still have you know this perception of um, things are safe and we don't have problems i think you know one of the educations we've been doing as an organization is around you know no matter where the facility is located an ed is still going to get the same type of patients coming in right it may it's not going to be the same volume we all understand that but you're still going to have the same type of patients and the challenges and things that we currently face is uh, lack of you know um, behavioral health uh, resources for people so it's it's the the mental health um of um you know the environments that we're ch that we're challenged with and that's everywhere um currently right now i think the other thing um you know so let's you know as i mentioned it's the culture part of it it's also the facility um design part right i mean in these environments we we design these facilities differently um, we have a little bit more of that open you know, type feeling as healthcare historically has, but we still see that challenge um, when we're working with um, different groups. So how do we bring that all together from a visitor management perspective is, is has been the challenge. Um, and, you know, our biggest challenge we have in these areas is really resources. 
Um, even let's say we have a smaller hospital, we want to have security there doing visitor management. It's hard and it's a struggle for us to find those qualified people just to staff that. Um, take that away. Let's say the facility's not doing that. You got you know either a registration or some type of customer service person um, that would be in place. Again, challenge on resources. How do we get get the right people and put you know with the right skills um, to put into those particular roles and positions? So, I really think you know just kind of some. I mean, I think it's it's resources, culture, um, and part of culture is facility design um, are really our biggest challenges that I've seen um, as we try to you know move this forward. Um, I think it's a little easier when you're in a. a urban environment or a bigger hospital setting, I think it's a little bit more people have a, a better understanding. Um, but, you know, let's we have to be realistic about things and conversations I have. If you look at events that have happened across this country, uh, they don't happen, you know, I mean, they happen, but they're, they're not happening just in the big cities. And, that, and that's everywhere. people's, yes, and that's yeah. people's thought process. It's really, you know, and, and, and why are we seeing it more in smaller rural areas, right? Well, there's less resources there to support. So, I mean, if I'm going to do something, gonna that's what I'm going to that. Mike, you said something that I, I had actually never considered, but I'm thinking, I'm going to say Chicago. I'm going to think, I'm going to assume that there's more behavioral, behavioral health resources via outlets, funding, etc. There's Absolutely. just more available help, I'm going to think, in Chicago than there is in downstate Centralia, Illinois, in the middle of nowhere. So that doesn't mean those problems aren't down there. That doesn't mean there's people that need that kind of care down there. I'm just going to assume, and I, and I think you said it, Mike, the resources are not the same. You know, somebody in no. Minneapolis does not have the same resources for behavioral health as somebody in smack in the middle of Wyoming, but that person still has to go somewhere for care. He still has to, he or she um, still is going to wind up in someone's healthcare facility. Um, Mike, was it was it you uh, or uh, it may have been someone else? But Mike mentioned culture. It's not going to happen in downtown Chicago. I'm, I'm I'm in the suburbs of Chicago, so I use it as a continuous example. But um, because of where they are, and like Mike said, culture. And I don't remember if this was Mike's story, but because of where some of these places are located, it's nothing, Pat, for you to come in there with like you know like a two foot machete because that's where you work it's what you do for work it's it has to do with your lifestyle that's the culture of that place that's still a place of care with this incredible weapon should you choose to not want to do the right thing so um i don't remember if that was mike's story if it was somebody else but that's a real story i've heard from a security director that you know because of where they are it's nothing for people to come in the door with huge weapons absolutely uh, well from my experience as a rural hospital CEO, daily census nine, okay, Cleet. In that rural setting, we would have meetings where we would be alerted by our security, but not a, 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 a mega threat, but Bob Johnson came in the other day because the school reported um, that his daughter appeared to have been abused. She had bruises on her back. Well, Bob knows who the nurses are in the ER and the doctors are. So he has a personal vendetta because he's been reported to be a potential domestic violence uh, perpetrator. So it gets very personal in the rural. So we would be asking questions. Okay, watch out for Bob. If he shows up, be very careful. So if I were to invite you to speak to my board, Michael, and you mentioned resources, 
What kids steps could I as CEO and our board immediately do in a rural setting to better position ourselves to the threat that Cleet described? Please, sir. Yeah, really great question, Pat. I mean, I think, you know, it's a unique question. I'm certainly based on environment and those kinds of things. But one thing I'm always a proponent of is we always have to be careful of perception and then what are the facts. And what does our data, you know, demonstrate to us and represent to us? And I think data is what we use, you know, I use, you know, to, to drive changes and um, what we need to put in place to keep people safe, right? Because sometimes we may have a incident, you know, and um, maybe it's minor, but to others, because they don't have much, it seems to be a big thing, right? And I think when we talk about these things, a big key component in regard to managing our facilities and what do we need to put in place and what that reality is, is I think this greatly integrates with, you know, threat management, right? Do you have a program to analyze and look at what's happening to be able to, you know, be educated enough to come back and talk to your employees about the why behind what strategies are we putting in place and what strategies are we not you know it's tough i mean it's it's you know as you mentioned you know um about the census right being nine i mean we have you know eds and locations where you know after hours we have two people in the hospital and it may not be security and then when we talk about resources if they have a problem they're so rural, maybe law enforcement is an hour away. And we know the shortage Mm. in law enforcement in this country is, you know, becoming even more of a concern. So what we have to be conscious of as organizations is how are we still providing that safe environment, right? So the question to, you know, if I were to come to your board and have that conversation, that's where, you know, I, I would lead the conversation. How are we, which we are required to do as organizations, providing safe environments for our employees? Now, that's not going to be the same at every facility. I mean, we got to be realistic, no. right? No. I mean, there, there's things that, you know, we, we all have to do as a business and cost is certainly one of them. But one of my big things and where I really like visitor management, especially a system that has the capabilities to, you know, um, be spread across the system, not just localized to a desk, is we can share information right across the enterprise. Um, because let's be let's, the other thing we have to really think about. Right. We're a mobile environment. Um, people can go anywhere and people do go anywhere. Um, and you know, so to have that ability, um, to have that type of control and that type of communication is key, right? It's like using, if you have an electronic, um, record system and you're using flags or those different types of things for potential issues and concerns with, you know, certain patients, uh, it's that same type of communication, but from the visitor management standpoint, you know, of having that, you know, um, right at that entry point, right? Let's understand that before they're introduced into the environment and now potentially causing a problem. So I, I think that's where I would kind of lead and go with the conversation about, you know, those tif- different types of topics um, when trying to understand what do we do in these environments? And I believe in uh, we're working on a lot of initiatives right now and leveraging technology because we we, we sure. understand we sure. got to make a shift. Sure. Right. We we we. Personnel isn't going to be the answer everywhere, but we can support and we can provide um, a safe place um, through technology as well. 
And so those are some of the things that we're looking at because really it makes more sense um, for us. And um, so these are all key you know, little components of that, right? I mean, visitor management is a technology solution as well as other things that we're doing. So um, that's, I guess, you know, Pat, how I'd respond to that. Okay, and, and very good. Uh, I'm sorry, Pat, I was going to uh, key in on that one when he says, um, you know, when he says visitor management is one side of it. And to be clear, it is absolutely a multi-pronged approach. Yes. Um, what what Mike has done and what I've seen, I mean, I toured a facility um, uh, just a couple of weeks ago and it was it was the same setup. I've seen it over and over again that um, people that are choosing to put visitor management in their ED, a lot of times it comes after weapons detection. These are also facilities that are um, going to put a premium on having some form of uniformed officer. These are also facilities that are either doing or giving a hard look at having some form of staff to rest. Like it's, um, and of course there's um, smart cameras, um, uh, mass notification, like it, it really takes a multi-pronged approach. There is not a silver bullet for this. Um, no. It's a multi-pronged approach, and um, I, I see it go hand in hand. So, like Mike said, it's technology, but um, technology and then it has to be partnered with people. Somebody has to run that visitor management system. Somebody has to respond to the duress when I hit that button. Absolutely a multi-pronged approach. And then um, he did it, but he didn't say it. <laughs> but um, uh, when you say what would he talk to the board about I, I think what the board would love to hear is something that mike has actually done before and that is um show hcap right hcap scores isn't it mike show yeah, the increase yes. in hcap scores i think yep. based on pilot programs sometimes and based on actual deploy programs and i think yes. that's what somebody like you pat in your former position you'd like to hear not just the emotional mike saying hey we should use this but you know actual data to move the needle before and after pilot surveys, HCAP scores, et cetera. No, exactly. The HCAP scores, is, as you know, Michael, are patient experience, right? Very, very important in how payers review you and how the incentives you can gain. So I look at this as a CEO and I say, okay, I've got security, right? I've got patient experience people. In a rural hospital, Michael, are you recommending that I should, I should create a position for director of visitor management who would be in would coordinate as Cleek just correctly articulated security, patient experience, and visitor management. Uh, it, is that something that appeals to you intellectually, or how would you organize those three elements of hospitals VM? Yeah, Pat, I think that's, uh, you know, again, another good question. Um, and that's, I think, the challenge that we continually face. I'm not suggesting because to me, uh, you know, it would not be practical when we talk about resources to say, hey, you know, we're going to put a specific person responsible at a dedicated exactly. location. Exactly. To yeah. me, that's that's that system approach to security, right? That's that system security operations center and that physical security person that's helping support that. Now, what my recommendation is, how do we look at those responsibilities about something that we're going to implement and who is the appropriate right people that we right. currently have right. to manage that particular part of it, right? And so that's how we kind of been going going about it. And you know, and we'll talk more, you know, in, in person at the at the conference about this, but it's, you know, what are some of the, you know, 
key solutions or different things we're looking at. And and we're certainly, you know, I, I never sit here and say I have all the answers because I don't. And I really love reaching out and talking to counterparts and seeing what everybody's really doing because in um, learning and understanding um, about these um, different challenges that we all have because they're all the same. Everybody I talk to is facing the same thing. But how do we, you know, um, collectively, right? I mean, a lot of smart people. I mean, how do we collectively talk about this stuff um, as an industry and really come up with, you know, here's some things we tried, maybe didn't work so great. Here's some yeah, things that we yeah. tried that worked well. And so, yeah, to answer your question, Pat, I, I wouldn't suggest, you know, you have it as a dedicated, it would be a responsibility of someone that we currently have. And, and how do we integrate that in? Because the last thing we want to exactly. do also yeah. Is put a person who has no experience in, let's say, de-escalation training um, no. in the forefront and now dealing with somebody who's upset that they have to go through the process, right? So we have to identify those key things that um, we would need to either A, bring somebody up to par two, or B, put the right person with that already has those um, skills and abilities available. My Mike, question. Um, I'm go sorry, ahead. go ahead, Pat. No, go ahead, Cleek. Go ahead. No, you get it out. I was I was going to uh, wrap this up with with uh, Keenan and one of the things that Mike just said about uh, talking to his colleagues. But but go ahead, Pat. I want to ask both of you uh, and you touched on it, Michael. Both of you have seen so much. Is there a best practices that you think of? Oh, I, I know this one hospital that did this and it just it's working phenomenally well. I see that as a best practice. Michael, have you experienced someone who's really figured this out in a rural setting? And what is that best practice? Let, let's click with you. What's your best practice that, that you think of when it comes to? Um, hmm. I don't think that it is one size fits all. Like I said, there's not a no, magic book. No, if no. I say if there was a best practice, I would probably say um, to begin with a very knowledgeable consultant or a knowledgeable um, driver in that seat. You know, a, a mic as an example, bring it to your organization. Someone that realizes um, it's going to take several things to get done. And also that realizes no two hospitals are the same, even within a healthcare system. So I wouldn't tell you there's a best practice, even, even with visitor management, which, you know, I know well, I wouldn't tell you there's a best practice. What works no, in no. downtown Chicago does not work in Peoria, Illinois. I, I saw it firsthand. You can't ask screening questions during COVID. We couldn't ask that stuff in Peoria, Illinois. It's asked right. all day in downtown right. Chicago. So right. the understanding of um, how flexible you must be in healthcare and the knowledge of that it's a multifaceted approach, um, as that's probably the best practice. Before I would mention any technology or anything like that, oh, is I to agree. have someone very knowledgeable about it. Yes, Michael, your thoughts, please. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, have I found the perfect or seen the perfect solution? I would say no. I think in the reason behind that is this is the tricky part that we're dealing with, right, as an industry right now is yes, how do yes. we provide this in these rural environments? And unfortunately, you know, um, we're still a little bit behind, right, as healthcare um, in thinking that um, we have, you know, issue despite all the things we see happening and all these things out there. I mean, the security world understands and knows, right? But I, I'm talking about how do we, how do we get that message, message, you know, all the way up? Um, up to, to the, pat, really, the pats of the world. How do we get the yeah, pats of the yeah. world? To to <laughs> yeah. understand what's the need, right? I mean, l let's be honest. We we can't um, sit here and guarantee that we can prevent everything from happening, right? All these no, no. strategies and solutions 
are to reduce the likelihood of something bad happening. And the more that we put in place, the more we reduce that likelihood. And now when I say put things in place, they don't, you know, there's a lot of places, especially these small environments. And, you know, I've had some really good conversations with some counterparts over the last uh, year, uh, you know, kind of around this topic and those that are, you know, having the same challenges is, you know, it, it doesn't have to be necessarily a big elaborate thing either to, to, to um, have an impact. It, it's no, no. It, it's starting small and you no. know Cleet mentioned it and what I've done where I previously came from at Freighter and now here where I'm at Essentia as I really believe in piloting, piloting things, creating data and having information that we can go back to the paths of the world and have those conversations intelligently. Too many times in our world around security, we're at, we have emotional reaction. That's people who experience things, but then that's also the people that you know are driving some decisions. And and we that's the last thing we want to do because emotional decisions aren't really getting us to the, to the root cause of what we need to address and what is the proper solution for us to put in place, albeit small or big. Um, right. I mean, um, right, anything right. we do makes a difference. So, so that's really kind of how I think about those those types of things. Well, thank you for that because I was thinking, you know, Cleet, you hit on it. You need to hire a, a consultant. You you can't buy a software package off the shelf that's going to fix everything in visitor management for your hospital. That's not going to happen. You're right. It's a unique hospital. Everyone is different from the other ones, and you have to understand the personnel, the people. Uh, the community that you're in, the security that you're in, and put all that together. Uh, so I know it's going to be talked much, much more about that in Orlando, and that's a great thing. But um, the the takeaway for me that I would tell my uh, C-suite colleagues in hospital administration, you need to get somebody on the ground in your hospital that's going to walk the ramps at 2 o'clock in the morning on your med surge wards, in the ER, understand egress of your facility, Look at the, your security system, what the weaknesses, strengths are. Look at your community and then put it all together with your electronic medical record. You know, you need somebody who really knows what they're doing to do that. Yeah, I'd, I'd add on to that, Pat. I think what's really important is is we in the security industry, you know, um, you know, I mentioned it earlier about culture. We really got to understand that culture. And we have to understand the things that we do have an impact um, yes. Our operations and some of the way we're set up as an operation, you know, is a strategic model, right, to be competitive. And the last thing we want to do is how do we come in and provide that benefit of reducing those likelihoods while still maintaining what that strategy of the organization is. And that's not yes. the easiest thing all the time, but no. it's possible. It's possible. And to your point. Somewhat, you have to get in there. You have to understand it. You're not going to be able to come up with a solution unless somebody really is looking at the totality of everything that's happening at a location or a site to understand what is the perfect or appropriate solution for that place. Because again, it's not going to be cookie cutter because even internally in our own organizations, we have very different facilities, um, you know, set up differently based on region and area and state, you know, type stuff. So. This Perfect. has me. Um, this has me pumped for IAHSS. So we are in conclusion. 
Uh, it'll be more of myself moderating for Mike, but I think it'll be interesting, Mike, for us to be able to um, bounce your Midwest experience off Craig's West Southwest experience. Absolutely, um, he, he may have totally different concerns. So I, I look forward to to talking to you guys in Orlando. We will be down there April 29th to May 1st in 2024. Um, of course, thank you again, Mike. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And Pat, thanks for uh, setting this up for us. My pleasure, gentlemen. I wish you all the best. Good holidays and Semper Fi to you, Cleveland. Ah, uh, thank you, sir. Yes, thank you, gentlemen. <laughs>